0: You can put in the call. It was confirmed at 1640 is obvious.
1: We are sending medical back now.
0: Is that dispatch? Where's the family at
1: right now? It's a cold day in November 2016. Okay. Police okay. in the small Northern California town of Laytonville okay. have just gotten a call about a possible homicide.
0: Do you, do you have any identification with you, bud? You
1: in body cam footage, you can see a cop talking to a man in the parking lot of a rundown roadside motel.
2: What's your first name? James and
1: James is wearing scruffy blue overalls with long blonde dreadlocks sticking out from beneath a baseball cap. He tells the cops he's been up in the mountains for the last couple weeks. And the reason he says he walked eight hours through the woods is because he discovered a body, the body of someone he knows.
0: How do you know the person that's out there right now that, that you said uh, is deceased?
3: I was up there working for him.
0: Would you be available to jump in with one of us and lead us to where he's at? — I don't want to go with this. Okay, well, we need somebody, uh, obviously— like, —
3: like, I had to run
0: through the woods. Okay. — I'll go with you. It's okay. my property.
1: — It's your property? — An old man yeah. steps okay. forward.
0: Okay. — I'll go with you.
1: — He has long, straggly gray hair and walks with a cane. — Okay, what's your name?
0: — My name is Louis Baglier. I'm a disabled Good. combat vet. I'm the one they called.
1: — Lou Baglier owns the land where the body was found. He says he drove up to see the body himself before coming back down to call the police. So you
0: you can come I'm with me. — Okay, I'm a cripple. — Okay. Just go ahead and get in. We're going to go up there, okay? Watch okay. your leg. — Okay. — Lewis, did you see him up there? — I saw the body, from some additions, because okay. I didn't have part to go in. <laughs> — Okay. Okay, hold on. I got to talk on the right radio. Okay. Go here. You guys, stand five I am ten fourteen with the mail RP and route to eight 8's location. He's gonna lead us into where this happened.
1: They drive north out of Laytonville on the one hundred and one freeway.
0: Three and a half miles off of one hundred and one. Engage.
1: The cops turn onto a dirt road. That leads across a wooden bridge over a small creek. How much further up is it from here?
0: Oh, it's two miles.
1: Two more miles? Yeah. Okay. The dirt road narrows, twisting up into the mountains. Tall pine trees block out the light. Then the cops notice something curious. Well, there's pot plants hanging from the tree limbs. Yeah. There you go. Pot plants hanging from tree limbs might seem strange but not here, because this part of California is known as the Emerald Triangle. It's a remote forest region where people live off the grid, deep among towering redwoods, rushing rivers, and rugged mountains. For centuries, it's attracted fortune seekers who dream of striking it rich. In the beginning, they came to these mountains for gold, but now, They grow weed. From hidden camps in the forest, pot growers cultivate hundreds of thousands of pounds of marijuana. And before this plant was legalized, these mountains were controlled by outlaws. This is a story about two outlaws whose search for freedom led to unspeakable violence. I'm Sam Anderson, and this season on Crooked City, we're going to the Emerald Triangle. Chapter 1. The death of Jesus Jeff. How much marijuana was
0: out here? Not that
1: much. How much is not that
0: much? — I don't fucking
1: have a clue. — Lou Baglier is leading the cops to a body on his land, okay. deep in the mountains, navigating tight switchback turns and potholes washed out by the rain. As they approach the top of the mountain, they enter a clearing. Okay, — Which way do
0: we go? — We don't have to go any
1: further. — Okay. — They stop the police cruiser in the center of a makeshift camp. The ground is worn down to bare earth, and it's covered with trash a child's stroller, some rusty car parts, and a refrigerator flipped on its side. The officer driving the vehicle turns around to face Bagliere in the back seat. The bottom line
0: is I need to get some information from you so we can get this investigation underway, okay? Okay. you yeah. know Jeff's last name?
2: Uh yeah, uh Settler.
1: Settler? Okay. Jeff Settler had been renting this land from Bagliere for $2000 a month. According to Bagliere, it was Settler's body laying up there in the mountains. And,
0: and he's been growing weed, as far as you know, up here?
2: I don't, I can't really say that
0: Well, $2,000 a month to live in a shed Yeah, is, uh, I steep. know, that's right, okay. that's
2: right. Okay, I would assume that, okay? Okay,
0: yeah, I make the same assumption. Okay. And I'm not worried about that. I'm, I'm more worried about somebody that's not
1: alive anymore. Okay. Finally, D'Aglier raises a shaky hand and points at a small shack just a few yards in front of the cruiser.
0: He's inside there.
1: He's inside there?
0: Yeah. Did you look in that building? I looked from the outside. I never went in. Okay. okay? Got it. Then I was here maybe 20, 30 minutes. Okay. I was really
2: re- broke down. I cried. Okay.
0: After you saw Jeff. <laughs> okay.
2: <laughs> the day before we had celebrated my 70th <laughs> Sabbath- okay, birthday. Okay. Now okay, got- <laughs> okay. Just hang tight for me.
1: Another squad car pulls up. They fan out across the camp.
0: Sheriff's office.
1: Sheriff's office,
0: announce yourself and come out. Sheriff's office. Sheriff's
1: office. Announce yourself. Clear. In their body cam footage, you can see several structures. A garage-like building covered in ripped plastic, a broken-down RV painted with graffiti. There's apparently tents up there too and then the small wooden shack that Baglier pointed out. Sheriff's
0: office, announce yourself and come outside. There's a footprint or something right there.
1: Yeah.
0: See, see some drip marks here? Like it happened right here. Yeah. Well, I don't see any
2: weapon
1: or anything yet. OK, let's just secure that. The cop approaches the shack and steadies himself before placing a hand on the door and pushing it open.
3: But obvi- ax, I'll, get, no I'll get herder. there. I I'll want g- to hear your story, okay? Yes, sir.
1: This is James. He's the young man who was up the mountain when the murder took place. Back at the Cottage's motel, he's being interviewed by Detective Matt Krosky from the Mendocino County Sheriff's Department.
3: Let me, like, build up to it, okay? Okay. So I can, like, give you a Great, maybe... Me- I want the whole picture. I had a couple of beers once I got down because I'm still shaking, like, when I saw that. I thought, look in his eye.
1: James tells Detective Krosky that he was a seasonal worker on Jeff Settler's pod farm. He joined a crew who'd been living in the woods for months. James says that not long after he arrived, Jeff kicked a group of those workers off his farm.
3: It was about four or five people he didn't want coming back up and working. So we paid them like 500 bucks each or something. They called the next day. And they're like, "Oh yeah, we're ready to come back." And he's like, oh, don't just don't come back
1: According to James, the night of the murder, he was sitting around a campfire with Jeff trimming weed another worker went to town on a food run. her name was Amanda. She had a four-year-old son who went with her.
3: She comes back with food. We're all hanging out, having a good old time, drinking a twelve-pack,
1: trimming up the last weed. When they finish working for the night, they place the trimmed weed into black and yellow plastic bins and stack them up in the small shack. James heads to the nearby garage, the structure covered in ripped plastic, and he goes to sleep. Jeff, Amanda, and her son go to sleep in the small shack with the weed, locking the door behind them. In the middle of the night, James wakes up. He hears a rustling sound coming from the forest and can just make out the murmuring of voices. Someone has opened the door to the garage. Outlined in the moonlight, James can make out a man. He has curly hair and glasses.
3: It was Gary, who we called Giggles, walks in this door.
1: Giggles was one of the workers Jeff had kicked off the property. I was like, what the
3: fuck's going on? He's like, nothing, you you don't want to go outside. I'm like, what the fuck's going, like, what the fuck's really going on then?
1: Giggles steps back outside and closes the door behind him.
3: And I go to like open the door, and Giggles stand right in front of the door. I heard a woman scream. Pretty sure it was
1: Manda, because she's the only girl there. If it was Manda or her son. James tries to push his way out of the garage, but someone is still holding the door shut.
3: And I'm like. Let me the fuck out that door. He's like, You really don't want to go out there. And I'm like, What the fuck's going on? And I even like put my foot in and they like almost like try to like smash my foot. So I pulled it back. I'm like, Well, fuck it. I can just go out the fucking garage door.
1: James steps out into the darkness.
3: Everything got really quiet. Really quiet. And I just heard, like, shuffling around, like, movement. The voices I heard were distinct as fuck, because I was just trimming them with them. The voices I heard was uh, Giggles, who Jeff knew, and I guess he also knew Cricket, and
1: then there was Zach. First, there was Giggles, who held the door of the garage shut so James couldn't get out. Then, there was a guy nicknamed Cricket, And finally, another guy named Zack. These were the workers that had been kicked off the
2: farm a few days ago. Who would have had the biggest issue with Jeff? I personally think Zack. So Zack, he did does he have a nickname?
1: He just went by Zach. James tells Krosky that he moved away from the garage. It's dark. He can barely see. Then a figure emerges from the shadows and comes towards him. It's Amanda. And that's when I was like, What the fuck is going on, Amanda? And I kind
3: of whispered and she's like, Get the fuck out of here. The terror in her eyes, like, made me, like, So I went, like, around this way and then up this hill back over to
1: my tent. James sneaks back to his tent. He gets in, zips it closed and weights. I think
3: they all came up in that one car and then they filled half of it with totes.
1: Totes are those plastic yellow and black bins, the ones they were using to store the trimmed weed. It was Jeff's entire stash, a motherload of marijuana with a street value of more than $100,000.
3: It happened. So fucking fast.
1: When he's absolutely sure he's alone, James steps out of his tent into the pitch black forest. He turns on his flashlight and approaches the shack, where he heard the screams and commotion turn to silence. After taking one last look around to make sure he's completely alone, he opens the door. And then I saw Jeff
3: with everything fucked up. And then I shined the light on him, and he just had that 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 stare that you only seen in fucking movies. Like I've only ever fucking right. seen in movies, and like. Yeah, I I get it. What'd you do next? I didn't say I didn't get the fuck out of here.
1: After finishing up his interview with James, Detective Krosky heads up the mountain to check out the crime scene for himself.
2: The property itself is tucked back in, multiple gates to get through, and then the final approach to the property is a fairly steep hill. We start to examine the scene.
1: Krosky approaches the small shack where Jeff was killed. It's dark inside.
2: It appeared to be the most secure facility on the property and and where they would have kept their most prized possessions. There were black shades that were cut down. You know, the kind of destruction as the struggle occurred.
1: The room is only about six feet by 12 feet. The walls are made of rough plywood. There's a green plastic chair at the far end and a dirty mattress on the floor, but no other furniture.
2: Pretty gruesome scene. Things turned over or things blocking doors that didn't look normal. It looked like there was a struggle.
1: Next to a pile of empty totes wrapped in a bloody sleeping bag is Jeff Settler.
2: Settler had defensive wounds across both forearms, his hands as he's trying to push off and fight off his attackers. You know, he had glancing blows. There was blood everywhere around him and on him. So Settler's defensive wounds were extensive and prolonged.
1: Settler's throat had been slashed.
2: The damage to his neck was severe. I mean, it wasn't, you know, decapitation severe, but it was severe. You know, it it looked um, personal and like there was some retribution there.
1: Krosky thought back to his interview with James at the motel.
2: Who would have had the biggest issue with Jeff? I personally think Zach.
3: He was telling people, oh, this needs to be done, do that, do this, get that, quick, now that. Zach orchestrating it.  — — That's what it seemed like to me, yes. Zach seemed like he had a fucking temper.
1: — Detective Krosky had his first suspect. — A man was found murdered in a rural property
0: off Highway 101. The police say their main suspect is 24-year-old Zachary
1: Wooster. Zachary — That name, Zachary Wooster, is the reason I'm telling this story. Because Zach and I, we know each other. In fact, we grew up together in a small town in New Jersey. We went to the same high school and used to be on the wrestling team together. Zach was a popular guy. He was friends with everyone. So when it came out that this kid from our hometown was accused of a horrific murder on the other side of the country, people didn't know what to believe. I would say about seven or eight headlines. Zachary Wooster wanted for murder. And like, Zachary Wooster, fugitive from New Jersey,
0: wanted for fucking manslaughter. All these articles said the same thing, that Zachary Wooster was
1: accused of killing Jeffrey Settler, and I just couldn't believe my eyes.
2: Never in a billion fucking years, never would I ever think this kid is capable of ever doing something like this. He would never, he would never do this.  —
1: — You don't think there's any chance that he committed this murder? — No. Absolutely not. — Jeffrey Settler was brutally beaten, stabbed, and left to die in a shack on the side of a mountain. Could Zach Wooster really be the one behind this terrible act of violence? The truth was hidden in those mountains.
0: Who knows what the fuck happened on that mountain? No one's going to tell the truth.
2: I didn't do this, officer. I'm innocent. I did not kill anybody. I have not murdered anybody.
0: It gets crazy at harvest time. Everybody's looking over their shoulder. No one trusts each other. Exxon was fed a lot of acid, like 300 hits at least. He was pouring gasoline on himself right next to the fire. He's pretty much holding everybody up there hostage. I don't think that anybody deserves to die, but Jeff was not a good person. Did you stab Jeff?
2: No, but I confess to
0: it. I had this knife of blood all over it. I'm like,
3: fuck. Was he slowly dropping the knife into his throat yeah. or is it a rapid one? Yeah. He slowly did it. I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. And I was like, well, what am I
1: supposed to tell this guy? Do I tell him the fucking
3: brutal truth? Because the brutal truth is fucked up.
1: Find out the truth this season on The Emerald Triangle. Crooked City, The Emerald Triangle is a production of Truth Media in partnership with Novel and Sony Music Entertainment. The series is written and reported by me, Sam Anderson. Our senior producer is Joe Wheeler. Our producers are Alexa Burke, Lee Meyer, and Zach St. Louis. Story editing by Mark Smerling and Austin Mitchell. Our assistant producer is Sasha Baker. With additional research by Ivan Devoin, Scott Curtis and Cherie Houston are our production managers. Fact-checking by Dania Suleiman. Mixing and sound design by Nicholas Alexander and Daniel Kempson. Our title track and additional tracks are composed and produced by Robert Quijano and Christopher Rose, with additional production by Nicholas Alexander. It was engineered by Peter Oviat and recorded at Moonflower Sound Studio in Taos, New Mexico. Additional music from Marmoset and Epidemic Sound. Development by Willard Foxton, with special thanks to Indira Bernie, Max O'Brien, Sean Glynn, and Matt O'Mara. Also, special thanks to all the studio musicians at Moonflower Sounds. Continue the conversation with us online by tweeting at CrookedCityPod. And if you've enjoyed the show, please don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people find the show. And thanks for listening.